Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Talk Easy, a weekly podcast of intimate interviews with the people shaping our culture today. I'm Sam Fragoso, thank you for being here. This week for episode 22 of the show, we have one of the most prolific voices in comedy right now, Mr. Ben Schwartz. You've likely seen Ben in numerous projects, including playing characters like John Ralphio on Parks and Recreation, Clyde on House of Lies, or Rutabaga Robitowicz in Bojack Horseman. He was even a voice consultant for BBA in the new Star Wars film. In today's comedy scene, Schwartz is seemingly everywhere. He's written scripts for major studios, regularly performs at the UCB Theater, and is a frequent podcaster on shows like Comedy Bang Bang and If I Were You. Most recently, though, he's in a new movie out in theaters and VOD called The Intervention. It's a movie about, as you could probably guess, a group of couples getting away for a weekend to sit down with two friends whose marriage is falling apart. This marriage intervention is long overdue. It sounds even more insane when you say it out loud. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. I don't think having some baby stranger around is appropriate. Was Titanic out yet? When she was born? No. But I've explained it to her and she knows how it ends. And so a lot of this conversation is driven by my fascination with how Ben manages to do so much. How he's able to craft memorable, often outlandish, and hilarious characters, no matter the project or medium. And I think we get a good sense of his work ethic and his approach to comedy in this episode. Long story short, the dude works incredibly, incredibly hard. We also talk about his roots in the Bronx, how much he enjoyed high school, and the enduring genius of people like the late Gene Wilder and Harris Whittles. But first, 
we discuss Los Angeles and finding your footing in this strange, strange city. So, finally, here is Ben Schwartz. See, I don't know LA. You have to, you have to forgive my... Uh, you don't have to forgive anything. I'm from New York. It took me forever to figure this place out. See, I think uh, I was listening to... Is this the show? Are we ha- is it happening? Sure. Great. Okay. We were, I was listening to the um, Pete Holmes interview you did. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a long time ago. 2014. 2014? Yeah. Shit. No way. That's, it was only two years ago? That's when it came out. And then you were like, I moved to LA three years ago. And you talked about how... it. What it sounded like is like you didn't have many people here. Yeah. When I first moved here, I had a bunch of UCB people here. I remember I moved and I lived right near uh, Chad Carter, who is an improviser and who writes um, for shows and stuff. And he was like on my street. So I used to sleep on his couch, and then I I slept in a tent on his floor for a while, and then uh, I found my own place right in the street next to him. So I would hang out with him. That was like uh, the improvisers were the people that I had here, right? Yeah, but that's it. But they didn't seem like in that interview you weren't satisfied because you had you got into a car crash. Oh wow! And I that, talk about that. Oh, you, on, you, on you, you talked about the yeah. The that car was crash. such a hard time that was such a not hard time what am i saying it was just a very unique circumstance and traumatizing you just feel very alone you you it makes you feel very alone today is going to be very depressing podcast we talked about it because gene wilder just passed away like five minutes before yeah i got like uh, 45 minutes i'm already trying to find to see if there's like a theater that's going to be playing a movie of his tonight i'm gonna Uh, go to it they probably well tonight that'd be tough i know unless they do a dvd and they don't do a print yeah but people want to do prints but there'll be some it'll be a whole week of I'll do it. I'll find tonight. I'll find something. I have a night off. I'm going to do something. So, what did you do to feel more like acclimated here? Here, yeah. I think it's time, right? And also being open to meeting people and all that stuff. And work, work makes you meet people and stuff like that. I'd perform a lot when I first got here. I didn't really know anybody. I'd perform anytime I could, and and I'd go out with my friends from UCB and meet new friends and stuff like that. But it takes a bit. Of anything. It's like when you're a kid. When I was a kid, I moved from Riverdale, which is like the northern part of the Bronx. I moved to Westchester, and you have like no friends again. And then when you move from New York to LA, right. you just made a big life shift. You went from San Francisco to here, right? And I moved from Chicago to like the Fresno area for three years for high school. Wow, really? Didn't know anyone in California. That's tough. It was yeah, but then like I get what over, year of high school did you move? Sophomore. sophomore. Oh wow, yeah. Like, people, right how was it for you? The first year was miserable. Mm. I was well, not miserable, just like I was lonely. And then yeah, by the junior year, I, yeah, I met people, I made friends, and All right, now you're the king of campus. I was the king of the high school campus. Yeah, people call you the king of K-O-H-C. They do. It's weird. Um, I never heard it before, but I think they did call yeah, me that behind my back. Did. You don't yeah. have to worry about it. 100%. Thanks, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you befriend people easily when you moved from Riverdale? No. My, you know what's so funny? I thought I had, and then my parents told me that I uh, st- I didn't talk to anybody. I guess I was like... You were quiet? Uh, yeah, I, uh, which is very unlike me. Um, you, don't strike me, you don't strike me as quite you know what you strike me as mm-hmm. like very very kind very polite oh nice we also <laughs> catch them on a sad day it's a sad day oh, uh, yeah I do you know what it is I do try my hardest to be as nice as I can I do that truly on not sad days are you just like an I'm asshole I'm just an asshole <laughs> I just go around punching people in the dicks yeah, yeah. no I do I, that is something I really do try to do I try to be as kind as I can I'm sure I don't achieve it always but uh, I do try my best when I moved to Edgemont which is in Westchester right near Scars on Yonkers I uh, was very to myself. And then, oh, by the way, this, I don't think I've ever said this before. I, uh, did this, 
I remember I went to camp before I went to school, and I used to do this character called Mr. Genius. I don't know why. Okay. I mean, this is I'm young, and I would put one of I put I'm like a very gangly. I was like a Muppet kind of. I put one arm through the opposite shirt hole, and yeah. then the other arm through the other opposite shirt hole, so my hands are the wrong way. <laughs> and I'd call myself Mr. Genius, and people could talk to me as Mr. Genius. And I remember I was making people laugh, and that's how I started like making friends. Um, Encore Bolsaro was a close friend of mine at the beginning there. Um, Mr. Genius. Yeah, I just remembered that. I think that's what it was. God, I got to ask Encore Bolsaro, who I haven't talked to him a bit. Where did that come from? I have no idea. Maybe Simpsons? Or not, maybe uh, Ren and Stimpy or something? Mm. I don't know. So comedy was how you befriended people right away? Maybe. I never thought about it like that. I, I remember once Encore, and then uh, I have a best friend I've been best friends with for since like two weeks into fifth grade or sixth grade, uh-huh. whenever I moved. I was 11, sixth grade maybe. And um, I don't know, 12, maybe it was 12. But um, that guy is like, I was the best man in his wedding. He'll be the best man at my wedding. Like that's one of those relationships that I'll have for the rest of my life. And that's a nice one. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I was always a guy that I never like, I was in like the nerd group and then I played basketball. So I was in the basketball group and then the video game guys and then I was in chorus. So I was kind of like, I kind of flowed between all groups. It sounds like you were busy. Maybe. I might have been. I did. I remember there was a year where for college, I was like, you got to do extra curricular activities to get into a good right, college. Right. So one year I did every, I literally did <laughs> as a joke. So like I was in like Club Juntos, which was like a Spanish speaking. Oh, maybe I didn't do that. I did mathletes. I did do mathletes. Yeah. But like I would come for like a day or two just to put it on my thing. Yeah. yeah I know those kids. So yeah. I, I did. Remember. I was just like, all right. So I like didn't really commit to any of them, but I did enough where I could put it on my thing. So when they're like, well, what extra curricular, curricular, curricular do it? Curriculars? Curriculars did you do? And I would say this, 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 this. But I, I did how, do all the course. It, it takes someone out saying it to like to process it. That's it's like the, an accent. If someone else does an accent really well. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. See, I always talk about how I like high school or I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it like I'm, I'm in high school right now. Right uh, now? No. <laughs> yeah. I just said it in the present tense. Uh, how old are you? Guess. No, I would like you to say. Do you want me to guess right off the bat? Well, sure. Well, you already told me a little bit of your life. So you, I know you've had to be at college for so many years because you lived in San Francisco for three years. Yeah, but I, and then you've been here. But I don't know how long you're in Chicago before. Twenty-one. That. You're not twenty-one years old. Yeah. Oh my God, you're like Judd Apatow. You're going around like interviewing all these people. <laughs> you're like a little baby. You're interviewing everybody. What's what's your favorite movie? Uh, I'm not gonna say Almost Famous for you. Is that, you can. Is you that, can do no, it. No, it's not because it's not. It's honestly not. So what is it? I think either Annie Hall or Manhattan. See, that doesn't... I mean, like, when you came out, when you were alive, this movie came out, you're like, oh, my God, I love this movie. Oh, oh, I want... You know what movie? See, this is not, not going to entertain you. This doesn't help. It I is entertaining 25th me. Hour. I'm a huge... I love that I've movie. I've never seen 25th it's Hour. It's amazing. Who's in 25th Hour? Ed Norton, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, my God, I think truly one of the best actors of all time, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Talking 100%. about death, man. 100%. Him dying was so hard also. Exactly. You were living by yourself in San Francisco with your parents? No, I was living, uh, rooming with folks. Yeah. What is who are the folks? Just friends. friends. Who are they? Call them out. What are their names? Uh, I was living with my friend Jack. Last name? Anderson. <laughs> that's the most fake name I've ever heard. It's so easy. That's the name I swear. John he, Smith. And John Jack it's Anderson. Jack Anderson. He was from or- Orange County, actually. Okay. And uh, fascinating guy. Yeah. So what happens after high school for you? Like um, you're you're doing well. High school's not garbage. High school. You know what it is in high school. I was. I kind of. I learned how to coast in high school and not work very hard, but get good enough grades. This is me right here. Which is not great. No. Not but for high school, it was great because we weren't paying. It's public school, so it doesn't feel yeah, like exactly. whatever. So when And I would cheat on tests every now and then. I remember one of the best cheating stories I ever had 
Well, I mean, like I wasn't stupid. I just was like, um, I did well when I, I loved math. So I always tried to math, loved math and got great grades, got all A's in math. But the stuff that I didn't have any interest in, it was hard. And I remember someone saying like, when you get to college, you get to pick your classes and yeah, then yeah. you get to take the stuff you like. That's what they always said. I know. And I was like, oh, that'll be so exciting because I don't have to take like economics. Although I had to take economics and <laughs> God. <laughs> um, history, for some reason, when I was a kid, it was hard for me to get into. And now I'm more into the idea of where things come from, stuff like that. But, um, uh, one of the, Juan Carlos Hofer was on a basketball team. He spoke first language was Spanish, and I was in Spanish class with a teacher named Senor Peruzzi. Remember, I told the teacher this story later, and he was disappointed in me because <laughs> we were, I became friends with a lot of the teachers when I was a kid, right? Because I would talk, we would talk like adults. That's what I try to do with kids, also, like talk to them, you know, not curse or whatever, but like you share with them, like you, cause you treat them like human beings as opposed to little kids that don't know. But um. So a teacher named George DeCaro really did that with me when I had my math teachers, which stuck with me a lot. So I go, it was senior year. We were all slumping. By the way, I love the way your brain operates. My, like it's this. just so all over the place. It's kind of, no, but it, it creates, you say one thing and you remember the four other things that are immediately associated with that. Now the question is, is that bad? No. Because essentially, let's say if we're in a relationship, let's say you're my girlfriend. Okay. Right. And we're talking and you're like. Say anything to me that a, a girlfriend would say to a boyfriend. Uh, did you get the groceries for dinner tonight? Yeah, I did get the groceries for dinner tonight. By the way, I'm still lactose intolerant. I feel like I need almond milk all the time. And there's like a drought of almonds right now. So maybe we shouldn't put on the sprinklers at all. Like, wouldn't that be very annoying? So you didn't buy milk? Is that what you're what saying? What was the original question? Uh. <laughs> um, so I, I went, I went, took my Spanish test, which was just like memorization. It was just words. Yeah. Put it in my pocket, asked Peruzzi if I can go to the bathroom, and Peruzzi said I could. I got up, I went, because I saw Juan Carlos Hofer walk in front of the door, ran after him. You could hear the screeching, <laughs> but of course, they probably thought it was the bathroom. Run after him. He's going to the library. I meet him in the library, which is a good two and a half minute walk, so I've already been out of class for two and a half minutes. I go, hey, man, I'm taking a Spanish class. Can you tell me all these answers? And he goes, sure. And he does them. He tells me them, and I write them down. I go, thanks, buddy. Run back. So by this time, the teacher probably thought I was taking like the most monster <laughs> shit of all time. I come back winded to probably play into the shit story. Sit down at my table, take my pen, trace the answer, like look like I'm writing the answers again. Right. It's very always very crafty. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. a bunch of ways in college I I figured stuff out. Also, not in cheating, but like with the internet when the internet first came out. Right. My friend and I, Jeff Franson, found ways to like loopholes to make money in the internet. Um. So and then handed it in. And I remember he got he got one of them wrong. He spelled zero wrong. He spelled seto in a wrong way. It must have been whatever his version, like a, <laughs> the real like, version, yeah, like or just like yeah, when he speaks, like yeah, yeah. as opposed to the way that we were taught. I forget which dialect or which part of where he was from, uh, but I remember that that was that was a classic uh, cheating story. But you didn't get caught. No, I never got caught cheating. Always yeah. terrified of getting caught. I don't like to I don't like to break the rules and stuff like that, but. It was like senior year. We'd already done everything. Yeah, I'd gotten into so, college already. So it, it yeah, like, that's the, those last four months are just kind of a mystery so as, to funny. Why, as to why they exist. It's so funny. It's everyone's, like, everyone's um, just dicking around. Do you remember when you were in elementary school? Maybe this happened in Chicago for you, but like the best part would be like when it would be like, you guys can play board games for like 20 minutes. Yeah. It was my favorite. That's what they should have done for the last three months of school. Everybody gets to play board games with them. Or yeah. we watch like Flight of the Navigator a hundred times. <laughs> they would always show movie. They would basically, whatever the subject was, they would show a movie tangentially related to that subject. Oh, give me an example. Like we watched, uh, what about Bo or, uh, Bob? Or For what? AP Psych. Oh, that's amazing. 
That's amazing. <laughs> I was a psych major in college, psych yeah, anthropology. I, I yeah. know that. Yeah. So I wonder, did, did you do one Wikipedia page or two Wikipedia pages? Oh, I did seven. Wow. There was a the first time I realized that I kind of really like, liked writing. I was writing this psych paper, and it was for abnormal psychology, and they wanted you to break down all the different things from abnormal psychology, right? And so, like schizophrenia, or, or obsessive compulsive disorders, and stuff like that. And I did research, but it was boring. So boring to write down. The, it's literally regurgitating things. So what I did is I took a peanut character. So I took Snoopy, I took Pigpen, and I, I classified them all with different abnormal psychological wow. disorders. And I like, you know, went through the whole thing. And then the teacher gave me a B plus and he's like, listen, the amount of, inf- the amount of like psychology information in this is like, zero percent or he's like you did like the minimal amount of research <laughs> you did like 25 percent research but he goes it was the most creative paper i've ever read and uh he goes i have to read like you know 50 of these every day so imagine how boring it is for you to write i have to read 50 of these right he goes so it was so fun reading yours i'm gonna give you a b plus yeah, he's like so i can't i won't give you a bad grade i'll give you this and i graduated cum laude i really worked hard i remember uh, there's like a point where i was like i'm really i, I want to wow. make my parents proud and i want to get out of college like with a good good gpa this, see this my Correct. My assumption is correct about you. Then what is that? You're just like a good, like a, like a good kid. Yeah, Remember good. when I cheated on a test once? Yeah, that was that's, one time. I, I took in Seven Eleven. I'll never forget this. In Seven, I was Seven Eleven. Everybody's drinking peach snapple. Peach snapple iced tea was like the big thing in high school, and I by mistake walked out with it, and I didn't pay for it without trying to steal it. And I was walking down with my friend, and I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't pay for this." And we were already like a block and a half away. I walked all the way back to the store and said, I by mistake, by mistake took this. And the guy was like, what? <laughs> he was like shocked that I came back. He's like, it's a dollar. I was like, here you go. He's like, thanks, man. I, what was it? Where does that, is that like a Jewish thing? What is that? Maybe there's Jew, Judaism in it. I think his parents, it's my father's very like that. Very, very. He's very like kind to people. He takes care of people. My mom, my family's very. Parents stay together? Yeah. My parents are still together. For, it's their anniversary. I just got them a gift. It was their anniversary like three days ago. Really? 41 years, I think. Think about that. 41 years? Isn't that incredible? I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's like 10 I don't, years. I don't. <laughs> 41 years is two of you. It's two yeah. of you. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah. You piece of shit. <laughs> what it's, have you done with your it's life? It's one and a half of you. It's one and a half of me. Christ. No, 41 years is incredible. But yeah, it just seems like you have like morals. And you're like an upstanding I'm sure dude. you do too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't yeah. hurt anybody on the way over here? No. You're not a no, sociopath? But on the way back. Oh man, yeah, you're going to hurt somebody. You never know, yeah. So after college, you did the anthropology, psychology. Did anthropology, psychology. But you... Then you left. I mean, where, where, you I did. Were, did you I go back to New York? Cum Laude, which was very exciting because I was like a goal of mine. And but the the reason why I bring that up, not to talk that graduate cum laude, but is that I was close to getting cum laude. I needed to get a couple more GPA points, right? right. Like a point, whatever. So all the football players there to get better grades and not fell out would take an acting class. So I took an acting class to bump my GPA. And one of the things you had to do in the acting class was audition for the play. And it was a Brecht play, and I auditioned uh, by singing a Stevie Wonder song. Which one? A Caucasian Chalk Circle. Do you know what that is? I played Asdak in Cha- a Caucasian Chalk Circle. It was the first thing I've ever acted in my wait, wait. life. What's Stevie Wonder song? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I love Stevie Wonder. It could have been. I was like, even then I knew a lot of fucking weird, like, B-sides. But yeah, maybe it was, I, an, maybe it was the song. first concert I went to. Really? Yeah. Where, where did he play? It was in Chicago. Yeah. Which venue in Chicago? It was the one where like it's on an island a little bit. How does bit. he not play in the the basketball stadium or whatever? I don't know. It was a huge stadium, and I and I met him. Great! It was so lu- so lucky. You want to hear this story? Yes. Okay. So we were sitting 
And then all of a sudden it was it was an outside venue and it started raining. And we were like, oh, fuck. So they cancel it. And the night we come back, the, the next night they have it again just to redo it. And the person we're sitting next to halfway through, he's like, we've been talking to him the whole time. He's like, yeah, my uh, brother is in the band. He's been there for 25 years. Do you want to come back afterwards? Whoa. Who are you with? My mom. Just my mom. Just your mom. That was like. Are your parents still together? 13. No. God, no. Okay. I'm like, not even close. So, so, so I was 13 and my mom and, and we go back there and just imagine who's back there. Just like, it's, it's going to make sense. It makes sense to me. I don't know. It won't make sense. Stevie Wonder, Herbie Hancock. Um, Fuck. I didn't even know Herbie Hancock was oh, back who, then. Who was it? It was Jesse Jackson. Oh, wow. He was just back there. That's amazing. And I met Stevie and I like shook his hand and then he played everyone that went up there. He played like some songs and he just. After the concert. After the concert. He was just sitting by his piano. Unbelievable! He's my yeah. favorite of all time. Yeah. He's he's the one for me. He's the one. He's the one. He's the guy I can listen to all, always, always, and forever. Isn't he? To me, I was thinking about because Gene Wilder just died, uh, and I I love Gene Wilder, but he's not like for, of all the people that if they were to die. Like we got a New York Times push update. If Stevie Wonder died, I think that would that may be the most devastating outside of like my family. Yeah, outside of people that I know personally. You talking about people I don't know, like the people I don't know personally. That would be it. Yeah, exactly. That would be it. I don't know what it is about. He's he's it for me. Is it just a soulful element of the it. music? He's just the music I grew up on. Him, Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson, but they were all passed away by the time I was uh, right. listening to him. James Taylor would be a big one too. But um, Stevie Wonder for me is like the guy, always. And like when I was young, I listened. I remember I used to, my friends used to make fun of me. I listened to a lot of '90s R&B also, like because to me the soul music of Stevie was like in that stuff. Oh, no, totally. Was. So then I would like download Music Soul Child's album because he kind of sounded like him and had yeah. like the heart of him. And so like so then I and my, I would always remember like my friends would be always tell me to shut off the music I was listening to when I was driving. <laughs> I had a Chevy Beretta on like a crappy plum colored Chevy Beretta, which I loved. That car broke. To talk about tangents, that car broke down literally. It would leak. On the inside, whenever it rained, my yeah. floor mats would become totally wet. And then one day, I was making a right turn into Pizza Beat off Central Avenue, and I'm making my, and it's up a hill. Like so, Central Avenue is really, really fast, like moving. Okay. Whatever. And I'm making like like Nathan's is there, and the movie theater's there, and Burlington <laughs> Coat Factory is there, and the Wiz well, is there, wait, and Pizza Hut. Burlington Coat Factory. Yeah, maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> so I'm making my right turn up a steep hill to get to Pizza Beat, and my car goes and stops. And starts rolling no. backwards onto this. And I'm no. young. And I'm like, and my brake isn't working because the power lock and everything locked up. So my wheel wasn't moving anymore. And my my brakes, like you couldn't hit it hard. Holy fuck. So I had to like pull up my parking brake and it just stopped. And then I like started the car. It barely started. And the only way to start it was like I had to put my foot, jam my foot on the gas and do it. And it would take me up the hill before I rolled back. And uh, so, like, it was so funny to see this guy just go, ring! Like, I went into Pizza Beat, like, Marty McFly trying to travel back through time. Holy shit. Marty McFly is a popular character from the movie Back to the Future. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was made before you were born. Um, it was, and I have seen it. Oh. Thanks, Ben. Maybe you saw the third one. Yeah. I was probably born. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you were going on... You- Doing music and you doing acting for the first time. Yeah, never did music, but did I? I, I yeah, so I didn't. I remember there, I was going out with a girl named Tina Rizzitano, who's very sweet, lovely young what, woman. What does she do now? I think she runs a she runs a food blog. She's married, has kids, and a dog. She's she was always very sweet. Um, she I think runs a food blog. I think, and I think she's very like active into like um, working out and stuff like that. Okay. 
I think. Um, but was that your first like big girlfriend from college? Um, from college, yeah, yeah. From high school, no. From college, yes. But so she, um, I really wanted to audition for the improv team, and we had a friend named Katie Melito, um, and uh, who's very funny. And she was on the improv team. The, Tina was a year above me, and I was so afraid of auditioning and failing that I wouldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. Right. And she urged me to do it, and she got Katie to call me and be like, audition, you're funny, do it. But I was so afraid. I remember the feeling. I was so afraid to find out from people who were considered funny because they got on the team that I wasn't funny. Right. Like, it would have broken my heart. Because it would have shattered, like, your identity. You would have felt like... Oh, maybe, 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 yeah. I think that's it, because we all have these, like, these preconceived notions of who we are. And then when you act or when you do any art, you're putting it out there subject for like someone yeah. else to say oh that's funny i wish i i mean i've talked to like some colleges the idea of being okay with failing or not being afraid to fail me learning that younger i wonder if i was able to do that but she she pushed me to audition i was terrified terrified and i auditioned and had a terrible audition but they let me on anyway and that gave me the confidence to the first rehearsal the second rehearsal i started getting pretty good and then me and this other guy started being uh, um the people would start showing up for us which was great and that gave me confidence. And then I took an improv, like, class. When I took that acting class, I took an improv class to try to bump my GPA a little bit more. And that was very easy for me. And I was like, oh, you know what? I, li- I really like this. I, w- I wonder if I can explore it afterwards. But it, I th- it was her pushing me to do it because there's a part of me that wanted to audition for like, um, the singing group too. Cause in high school, I did all the singing groups, but I just, I, d- I knew I wasn't good enough. That's like playing basketball. Like, you know, I'm not good enough to be in like the mm-hmm. basketball team there, but, um, singing, maybe I could have been like, I don't know. Were you good? Um, when I was in high school, I was in all like the all all, all county things, but and then my voice dropped. I had a really high voice, and my voice dropped. And so now is it no good? Um, uh, I can't do it. I used to do no, but I was afraid of. I, don't, I wasn't good enough to be. I don't think. Uh, who knows? But um, so I did that. It went well. Then when I graduated, and then I did this play, the as as Azak, and my parents came, and the director said you should try doing this. And I went to my I went to my parents who came up and saw it, and I was like, I want to try to do improv. I want to try to do comedy. Um, and my, my parents, to their credit, were incredibly supportive and said, um, try it for a year or two. And then if it doesn't work out, let's, you know, then get a job. And so that was senior year. Senior year of college, right when I finished college is when I like had that conversation with them. Cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, and also to be an actor or writer or comedian was like, no, my family's all social workers and school teachers. Right. And so this wasn't a real, it's not, a, it's not even a thing we talked about. It's not even a thing you could be. So it, it wasn't something that we talked about ever. But they weren't against it. No, they were... They were just foreign to them. I think they were afraid of how hard it would be for me, uh, which is for everybody. I mean, I, like, didn't make money for a long time. Right. But I always hustled. Like, I always... Like, I would write... I would freelance for, like, stupid little magazines. Not stupid little magazines. I apologize. I'm freelance for magazines, and I would uh, write jokes for Letterman and Weekend Update when I was able to. When I freelanced, I was a page. I was a bartender at UCB. I helped book the touring company for UCB. I did anything I could. I did commercials... And then I had enough money to pay for my rent. And that was a huge day for me when like my parents probably paid for my rent for like six months or something like that when I first moved to Manhattan. And then uh, I lived in a very small place in a very inexpensive place. But then um, I was able to pay for it. And that was big. Commercials were able, were, allowed me to do that. And then um, it made me feel really good. And I was like sustaining myself really quickly. And then not making money, but enough to, I was making enough to survive. It's so funny because recently I would go back and I, not to say I have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money, but I know I don't, I don't have zero anymore, but um. 
I would go back and someone would be like, oh, let's get food. Where do you, you want to eat? And when I go to Manhattan, I only know, I lived there when I had no money. So I only know like the fast food places or the pizza places or the Chinese places or the Thai places that which, cost which no money. places. Though. I mean, it was mostly around our theater, mostly around where I lived. Right. I ate so much Wendy's uh, when I was in Manhattan because it was right, it was a half a block away from where I lived. Yeah. What about the hot dogs? You can't trust the hot dogs. I love them. What about the one with the, the in New York? I haven't been there since high school, but like the, they have like a blue awning. Or is What's it, that? Or is it a yellow? Chris Dogs? I don't know. There's something on the street. There's there? one. There's a place called Chris Dogs that's amazing. Okay. They take their hot dogs, they wrap them in bacon, and they put like egg on them and teriyaki on them. And they have a secret little bar, which you go into the this little uh, phone booth, and you pick mm. it up, and you say the password, and then it opens up to the smallest bar in Manhattan. Really? Isn't that cool? That is fucking cool. Yeah. Wow. So you made it in New York, though. Like, it took you six months, dude. That's that's. Like no, but I wasn't making money. I just, well, I didn't Enough need. to make. Maybe enough. a year. Maybe it took a year. Might have taken a year, but um, what was the first thing you did early on that you were like, yeah, I think, I think we can do this. I auditioned for the Harold team, which is like the house team at UCB Upright Citizens Brigade, maybe three times before getting on, maybe a third time. But I remember I would get really frustrated because I started off by like I would say too many jokes when I was improvising, and Billy Merritt, this really great teacher, was like, "You got to stop saying jokes. It's all about supporting the other person." Yes, well, like and. what? Like, give me an example. What would you do? I don't know. It was too long ago. It was like twelve years, ago. but like. If we were doing a scene, I would just, uh, I would, we would just say anything. We would go back and forth, and I'd build on it and stuff like that. And many times, I think I would try to make people laugh hard, like with a joke that I thought, of, or not a joke, just like I'd make a big thing in the scene as opposed to like growing. Which right. is, you do it for a long time, you learn how to do both, right? Like be supportive and also get your comedy out. Okay. But um, uh, oh, it was in monologue. I did a monologue once, and Billy's like. Don't try to make people laugh. Just tell, just say a monologue about yourself and blah, blah, blah. I remember that. Learning, learning like how to be patient. And like when you're, the, a thing he used to say is, and a lot of teachers say this, it's like, it's like playing ping pong. You like go back and forth and back and forth. It's not like slam, slam, slam. It's like you're playing a game. So, um, you learn how to be a team player. But at the beginning, I was learning, learning, learning. And I took a class with Ian Roberts, who's one of the main four guys from UCB for people. Cause it was Amy. Ian, uh, Matt and Matt and, uh, Matt Besser and Matt Walsh. And, um, he, it was, he's, he's amazing. He's one of the best improvisers in the universe. And I was watching him and he's like, I could do a scene with like a watermelon. If you put a watermelon there and just, he goes, anybody, anybody come on stage, just act truthful and we'll have a great scene together. And so I got picked and I was so excited. I got on stage with him and he's like, don't try to make anybody laugh. Just try to be, and this is about a time where I was starting to be better. I was getting better and I was like, right. oh, I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know how good I'll be, but I'll, I'll be able to do this. And I just reacted truthfully to him and he reacted truthfully to me and it became an incredible scene that he drove the whole thing. I was just whatever, but it was like, it made it be like, all right, just like let it happen, calm down, trust that it's going to happen. And it was a big lesson. That was like a big clicking moment for me. But there's all these things, me and this, me, Adam Pally and Gil Ozeri had a team called Hot Sauce. We did a show called Cage Match, which is one group goes against a different group and the audience decides um, who's better. And then that person comes back next week. And when we won our first, we won our first one of that by going fat. We went so fast. We had a billion scenes in the time allotted. And that was when things started to click with that group, with those two guys who, you know, I'm very close to still. That's when like, it was like, oh shit. All right. We might not be terrible at this. And then we won like a lot of weeks in a row. And then we got on a house team and then all these things started happening. Then we got into Montreal Comedy Festival as one of the first sketch groups over there. So, um, probably those hot sauce stuff was, was big. That was New York. Yeah, everything happened in 2000. New York. And by the way, the beginning is always the best. Like, we had nobody coming to see us. It's like the best. You're like struggling. You're trying to figure it out. There's a. Isn't that I'm talking though? too much. Jesus Christ. Um, ben, ben. 
Sorry. Whoa. It's, is it depressing? It's not depressing. I mean, there's part, but it's like staying up all night with them, thinking funny sketches. And then there's the literally thing we, we used to do is I was a intern on Sunday nights for Ask Cat, which is the big show there. And when it's gone, I would have to do the garbage. And then Adam and Gil would come to the theater. Nobody's in the theater anymore. There are no more shows. And we'd beg the manager to let us on stage, just to let us on stage <laughs> to perform in front of nobody. And he'd always let us have 10 minutes or something. I'd go, go, go fuck around. And we'd do scenes for nobody. Till like, That's so fucking amazing. It was the best. And, and like, Because no, you're really just doing it because like, there's some it. compulsion in you that has to do it. It was just love. We loved it so much. I mean, we still do. I performed yesterday. We, uh, it's just, um, I don't know, man. That improv I really connect with and love. But like, also at that time, it's like three comedy nerds who all they cared about was comedy. Amy Poehler just came off the stage with like Jack McBrayer, Matt Walsh, Matt Besser. They were just on that stage. Or like the monologist would have been Alec Baldwin or like someone huge. And they were just on that stage. And then we got to stand on it afterwards and fuck around. It was like yeah, the big, for us, it was the biggest thing because uh, nobody would come see us yet or we couldn't get stage time anywhere. Right. So slowly like and, that, and we would play with each other and get really comfortable with each other and stuff like that. Uh, those are the best. I think those are the best times. Like I've been very fortunate in my career, but like, and had these moments that I'll never forget. But like, the beginning is always like, you're learning how to to see who you are, like the comedy that you do. Mm. I guess I just feel that's amazing, but I'm bummed out that like you're saying it's the best. Why does it? Why can't it continue? Why can't like the like? Oh, they're going to be incredible moments. Like the there's, there's still incre- I have incredible moments all the time, which is amazing. And then there's a lot of like. The weird part of this industry is you have these insane highs and then right. you have lows and highs. So where's Parks and Rec in that? Parks and Rec comes on, you come on, what year is that? Uh, second year, very quick. So the first season was just probably six episodes or eight episodes. Yeah. Have you rewatched that at all? The beginning? Yeah. I rewatched it at, like right when it was ending. I re- because I'm a fan of the show right. and I'm barely on. I'm on it for like 20 episodes out of 100, whatever. Yeah, but let's not downplay. No, but truly, you, like no, if yeah, you think yeah. about it, it's like one eighth of this. One yeah. si- I don't know how many episodes there are. 120? Uh, yeah. No, no. So, so yeah. let's say one sixth of the episodes. So um, I love the show. And uh, I remember going in that day and it was Dominic Dierkes who was on my improv team with me here. And he was in like the same thing where... Nick Offerman would interview like three people. It was like he interviewed Dom for the scene and he interviewed me and maybe one or two other guys. And, um, well, it wasn't, Parks wasn't big yet. No. No. Right. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like getting on Breaking Bad second season or something like that. It was like, uh, and it that wasn't first big. season is so weird. Like, is it, it? It's, it's not at all the show. Like, uh, there, it, like, but also you have to think about it like this. Because it was only six episodes. If you right. look at any other show, if they had a you know twenty two, you would have gotten all those amazing episodes. You know, sure. it was them figuring it out. No, and of also, course. Yeah. I just remember they they talked about some interview where they're like, "We completely changed Amy's character because she's so mean in that first season. Really, she's such an asshole. I gotta rewatch. Like it. she's like she likes the Parks Department, but she's like way more sardonic. And there's that show. I think is so funny. I remember um, in that episode. I don't think I was in it. Oh, maybe I was. You remember the episode where they didn't have enough fun. They didn't have enough funding for her, but she was gonna like speak at this event, and she and she was supposed to speak in the stadium, but it was an ice skating rink because they didn't have the floor yeah, on. They, yeah, and then Aziz only got enough red carpet. Oh, Aziz, Tom Haverford almost got a, a red carpet for like a red. little bit, and they had to walk the rest of the way to this makeshift stage that Offerman built. And she, I remember she goes on the, the and it goes like, "Get on your feet." I remember laughing so hard. When I watched it on TV, that I was crying, and I and I could not stop crying. I, that show made me cry more than I love that show so much. 
I just kept crying because they would fall down, then it would cut to Amy's face being hilarious because she's like the, the most talented human in the world. And, and then like the song, whoever did the editing, it might have been Dean. <laughs> The song kept coming on at the perfect time where it's like they'd all fall down and then Chris Pratt like slips in the weirdest way and then it goes, get on your feet. And it, I remember crying at that. But any, I was such a big Offerman fan. I could not understand why Nick Offerman didn't get nominated every year and win every single year for yeah. Emmys. It blew my mind. I thought he, I thought he created this unique, amazing character. And it was perfect and unique, and uh, it blew my mind. That, that was that was Whittles who created that character, right? Is that true? I think so. Oh yeah. my god, he's like the best. We're talking yeah. about too much fucking sad stuff today. Mm. But but um, yes, Harris also helped out with John Ralphio, Katie Dippold's episode. Katie Dippold wrote Ghostbusters and the Heat. Um, she was the writer on that because I remember having a meeting with her and Mike Schur. and they Mike Schur had watched these shorts I did for ESPN where I interviewed athletes. And he's like, I like this. Maybe we'll find like a way to get you in the world. And at that time, they were casting uh, Amy's boyfriend, who was gonna, who ended up being Louis C.K. Oh. So it's like, and they're like, you're too young for this, but we're gonna find, we're gonna hope to find something. So John Raphael was literally a paragraph on one page. Yeah. I don't even know if it was more than one page. And then um, I did it, and after the first rehearsal, Mike Sure came up to me and he goes, "You're gonna be coming back." Yeah. I go, "What?" And then he went upstairs. Ben, do you know why? Because it's amazing. It's so it's fucking funny. Parks. Like, yeah, the show, but Parks your is character so especially is, it's madness. You it's, like, it's really well written. Whoever you, wrote it is a genius. You inject like a certain madness to it. Like him, you and Aziz, and uh, Tom Happer, whatever the hell. Yeah. Like the, the Entertainment 720? I love that. Are you bit. fucking kidding me with that? that I we, love that. Remember when you, uh, you, your character, like, um, you guys rent out that office space? Yeah. Like when working on set, like that set for one, I wanted like what? What? It was happening? an old. It was like a. Uh, it was you, a furniture store, and, all, and next door they put all the furniture. I think that's what it was. You have like Roy Hibbert. Oh my god, it was the best, dude. That was the best. I remember being in the trailer with Roy Hibbert because it was his first time really acting. We like, I like helped him through when he had questions, some of that, and Shrimp, uh, Dallas Shrimp, and so I was like, uh, <laughs> I there was a scene there that um, was written that says like John Ralphio shoots a jump shot and misses. Yeah. And I did it and then Dean uh was Dean Holland was directing who's a genius and an editor and so uh I said, Let me try something. They let you have fun runs. Do you ever hear this story or no? No. They let you have fun runs and so I went up to Hibbert and I was like, Is there Oh I went up to Detlef Shrimp. I was like, Hey, is there any way that you can like I wanna dunk? Like how funny yeah. would it be if I was dunking? And he goes, What I do with little kids sometimes is if you run and jump, I can guide you up. Yeah. So it gives you an extra couple inches. And I go, that's amazing. Would you do that? He goes, I'm too old, man. Ask Roy. And I go, Roy, would you do it? And he goes, absolutely. And I go, Detlef, will you throw me an alley-oop? And he goes, yeah. And then I practiced it once. And I got my fr- I have the video still. Um, I'll show it when we're done. Uh, and I practiced it once. And like, I'm a huge NBA basketball fan. Yeah. So like the fact no, that these two people, yeah. it's bananas. It's so cool. That's it's like, so surreal. It's So then we did also it. Also because like as two people who play basketball, I can't, like we can't dunk. No, I, I mean, the best I did in high school, I could dunk out softball, and that's it. But so, um, and then I told Dean, I go, okay, I got an idea. And he goes, let's do it. And they hadn't, <laughs> they hadn't seen it. And literally, they said action. And if you watch the take, there's so, I, I'm so happy. There's so much joy because in real life, I was so happy. Like, yeah. they picked me up. I was so, I, we pulled it <laughs> off perfectly. It was like, it was, I think we only did one or two takes. Uh, but it was amazing. I, I love that uh, beat. John Raphael, take me there. Oh! Oh. 
Who are you? This uh, is Ben. He's here to help us with the paperwork. Ben, is that your real name? Yes. Oh, you could do better than that. I'm gonna help you out right now. Your name is Angelo. Angelo, thank you so much for coming out. Get a thicker tie. It looks weird on you. It makes your head look like a fish. Secondly, I don't know where the paperwork is, but when you find it, can you take care of it for us? We don't have any pens because we're afraid it's gonna leak in our shirts. Lastly, I hate the name Angelo. I'm gonna switch it up for you right now. Your new nickname is... Jello Shot. What do you think about that, J-Shot? Do we have questions? That character I miss so much. It was so good. Because it's like improv. It's like, I mean, not improv, the words are made up, but it's like, I get to like be like in a, a crazy, a crazy person. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that show I miss a lot. Uh, do you ever think like how that happened? That, Which? That show? Like this, like to create something that great. Because like, it's, it's to me. It's the like, writer. Seinf- Mike Sure is a Seinfeld's the 90s, right? Like yep. I look back on it. It's fucking, just read the jokes. I have a, I like print out scripts sometimes and read the jokes. Right. It's fucking unbelievable. I think Parks and Rec is that and 30 Rock of the, of the 2000s. If you think about what was on, I remember when it was happening. You're talking about college. When I was in college, I knew that it was like the best years. I was like, I was so aware of it senior year that. I remember talking to my friends like, this is going to be the best time of our lives because we don't have jobs yet. We don't, this is going to be the best. And in many ways, it was. Um, uh, UCB stuff was incredible too coming up at the beginning and seeing these people I looked up to for the first time. But for for Parks, uh, when you look back on it, you're going to see that the writing staff was one of the best constructed writing staffs of all time. Right. Like of all time with Harris and Katie Dippold and Alan Yang and uh, Joe Mandy and Megan Amram, who I think is one of the funniest human beings in the goddamn world. And then uh, you have all these slew of writers that went on to write a billion other things. And it's it's remarkable when you think of it. But when you think about that uh, comedic slate, I thought about it as the golden age of – not a golden age of comedy. But for our generation, it was like our version of what – It was like a before. dream team. It was Community, The Office, Parks and Rec, and 30 Rock. Those are all like – the highest caliber comedy shows. Incredible. It's insane. And they were all one after another. And they all got terrible ratings except for The Office. Yeah. It's crazy. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, it's all the shows that I watch. I could not believe that. It's like when I was like when I watched Larry Sanders, I was like, I can't believe this show is this show is like made for me. Or the UK version of The Office. I was like, this show, I feel like this is made for me to be happy. So that block of shows was such a treat. It is made to be happy is like the key thing. Because I used to watch, not used to, like, until about a month ago, I'd watch Parks and Rec like before I go to bed. Oh I'd, yeah, like, I'd like fall. Mine is The Parks Simpsons. And... I watch The Simpsons before I go to bed, and then it was Futurama. Do you still watch something before you go to bed? I used to, but my my computer doesn't have a DVD thing anymore, oh, so okay. I have like all these seasons of DVDs that are just there. Yeah, but every night because Simpsons, I knew every word to every episode that I had on DVD, so it's like I could fall asleep. I can fall. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's healthy though. What's your favorite? Oh, your is your favorite show Parks? No, nah, Seinfeld. Seinfeld's your favorite uh, for, show. For comedy, I think, yeah. yeah. What about drama? Um, what would be a good drama show? Your favorite. I don't know. What's yours? I don't Drama's harder. Comedy, I have my top five. I watch five. less of it. Watch less of it. Does Louis count? No. Louis is a comedy. Lately, it's been the fucking drama. <laughs> Horse and Pete especially is a drama. Jesus I haven't seen that yet. I want to see it. It's brutal. It's good. I uh, can't wait. Speaking of this drama, yeah. this is what I want, something I wanted to mention. When you mentioned the Philip Seymour Hoffman thing. Yes. I was thinking what I meant by foreshadowing is I meant Whittles and that... Uh, oh, Whittles, sure. I've, I was thinking about it on the drive over and I always wonder, like, does it... Well, tell the audience who Harris is just in case they don't know. Harris Whittles was, well, 
I think you should. You know him better than uh, I do. Uh, he was well, I'm interested as you're a fan. So he, well, he's a stand-up. He's also a, he was he was a musician and yeah. he was an incredible writer. He was so funny and also little known fact that people don't know. Uh, I never did a table read at Parks. They just never uh, for some reason I don't know why. If they maybe want me to improvise or play, uh, he played my role in all the table reads. <laughs> so I think he would play. I'm almost certain this is true. Right? We get we need Mike someone to confirm, but I think Harris Whittles in every table read played John Raphael the 22 times he was on or 21 times. That's amazing. Not awesome, but he's so funny and he would do comedy bang bang. Uh, the podcast. He's great. And God, he was so fucking funny. He did this thing called uh, Harris's Phone Corner, which turned into Harris's Foam Corner. Just and uh, his jokes would be just half-written ideas on his iPhone. <laughs> and they were funnier than anything anybody could ever make up. And they're purposely supposed to be a little bit, like, cheesy. But, man. Cheesy and, like, half-formed. Yes. And, like, something you think about. Like, ah, oh, they're just so he good. Was a, he's a, he was a genius. Well, and I guess did he work on Masters of None before he passed away? He yeah, might he did. Yeah. yeah, he did. He worked on a few episodes, and then he was about. It's so weird that I know this shit. What? Well, it's weird that I like know his trajectory. Like, Why? I, I never You're met, a fan. You're like I never, I never met him. I never met him. I yeah, but he know. means something to you. Yeah, well, you know what he does? He meant the world to my best friend. Okay. And so like, it's one of those things where your best friend likes something, so you're like, okay, maybe I should like learn to. Yeah. It's one of those like learning about his. I heard like the Pete Holmes thing and all that. Those but, podcasts with him on Pete Holmes are—they're—they're I mean, they're weird. It's hard to hear. Not, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of incredible how open he was about it and how strong. Like he, it's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable if you listen to him. Do you think there needs to be that sort of undercurrent of depression or like sort of craziness mm-hmm. to fuel genius like that? Um, I Philip Seymour Hoffman, like I don't. Well, Philip Seymour Hoffman had a vice as well. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think, is one of the best actors of all time. As yeah, of of all time and forever. He would. I mean, he's he. You can't name a movie he wasn't incredible in. He's incredible. He's Philip Seymour Hoffman is incredible. Harris. Um, I mean, it's just so so funny and so talented. I don't know if there needs to be that. Like Tom Hanks doesn't have of like that crazy, yeah. you know. And I think he's one of the best actors too. You don't have that at all. Uh, I don't. I don't have that. I'm not driven by a darkness. I'm sure there's darkness in me, of course. Like when I act and there's a dram- dramatic scene, I can find it. But it's like, um, or I can do my best to find it. But um, yeah, there's no. De- I don't have like true, true demons. You know, I have anxiety, of course. I'm Jewish and 35, or I'm going to be 35. But like, uh, but so we're. Um, I don't think you need that darkness or that stuff to get there. Did you ever feel like you did need it? Like, because everyone, you said you had a bunch, I remember you were talking about you doing drugs and like, mm-hmm. not, you do, not doing drugs, but you're around comedians who are. Yeah. And. But I never really saw that world because I didn't do drugs. I didn't see that world. I've seen very few people that, okay. I mean, everybody smokes weed. That's not even, I'm not even considering that a, a drug right, anymore. Right, okay. But I've never, that other stuff I don't see because yeah. I, they know it's not in my world. So why would they put it in front of but me? But then, you know, the common narrative that we t- like, talked about, comedians, it seems like depression is synonymous with comedians. And like- I think that I think in some comedians that's true. In my case, um, I mean, I'm sure there's some form of depression inside of me, but not not the type that seems to be correlated with uh, comedians and stuff like that. I don't think you need that thing. I forget. Marin talks about it or someone talks about it a lot. I don't think you need. I don't think it's necessary to have something uh, traumatic happen to you in the past in order mm. to be funny in the future. I mean, maybe it's a thing that drives, but not for me, at least, that wasn't the case. So what drives? Man, what drives me? Yeah. In what sense? Well, you if it's not 
the, what's driving what's driving the comedy like the need to laugh or the need comedy to was different the what's driving my work ethic is the fear of it ending i work so hard to get where i am like truly work so hard that right. if i fuck it up now how stupid would that be like and i'm a, you never know when your next job is so you like work so hard work so hard i remember uh coming up at ucb i worked i put my head down and worked harder i tried to work harder than everybody else because right. You know, let's say someone's funnier than me or someone's better than me or more handsome than me. There's always going to be someone better in everything than you. So if I put my head down and really worked hard, it would at least give me a little bit more chance to, to hit or something like that. So I wrote everything. I sold postcard books. I wrote, I wrote everything I could. I tried to act in everything I could. I performed in a yoga studio once. I like did anything I could to try to do it. And still now I juggle as much as I can, but I've learned as I've gotten older that. Uh, you learn what you can and can't do. Like, I can't do this many projects or I'll get sick. Right. So you like try to live your life at the same time. But at the beginning, I focused so much on business, so much on work. So it's like, uh, it's hopefully it paid off a little bit. Um, it's definitely paid off, but I don't know. But my actual comedy, the drive of maybe making people laugh is amazing. Like, if you're talking about like, why do you get on stage? I enjoy it. I love getting on stage and performing, creating with people. Mm. But then also to make an audience laugh is such an incredible feeling. And I mean, you'll ask stand ups and you'll ask improvisers. It's like to have that dialogue with the audience. Like, we had a good show yesterday. Uh, this team I do shitty jobs. We've been performing for six years together every week for sold out crowds. It's been amazing. But like, you know, when you have a good show, it still feels like, oh, that was fun. You created something with your friends or people you know. And I still enjoy that. Um, and it also, I like to keep myself sharp, and I think improv helps my brain stay a little bit sharper. Stay sharp. I think so, maybe. It definitely does. Yeah, I think so. It requires, like, so much mental agility. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good way to, like, stay in shape mentally, like, work out mentally. Mm. Yeah. And now, BoJack. BoJack Horseman? Do you love it? It's your favorite? Yeah. You just love it? <laughs> it's amazing. Like, Ben, it's so... It's, it's incredible. Do you see this season? All of it. All of it. People are going crazy for the underwater episode, which is, of course, people should be. Uh, that show is so good. Why do I do anything? Hey. Do you need the movie star speech? <sighs> yeah. Okay. Carolyn, you are the star of a movie. And this is the part of the movie where you get your heart broken. Where the world tests you and people treat you like shit. But it has to happen this way. Otherwise, the end of the movie, when you get everything you want, won't feel as rewarding. There are assholes out there, but in the end, they don't matter. Because this movie's not about them. It's never been about them. All this time, the movie's been about you. Thanks. Carolyn? Yes, Rutabaga? I think Katie and I are getting a divorce. That show's redefining what an animated TV show could be. Right. And it, the, How does it feel to like be part of like Abbey Road of, of like be part of like and I'm I, I'm like I'm let's like, not go insane no 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 Abbey Road is no, literally I right. just visited Abbey Road um, yeah and it's no it's a masterpiece it's, it's Abbey Road is like okay, where the fine. Beatles created no no okay, the so piano from Lady Madonna it, so, is there so like uh, Rubber Soul like Parks and <laughs> Parks and Rec is that man it is that I'm very lucky that part that I was any part of Parks and Rec I'm v- I really uh it's been a crazy thing. That was the first time when I got like recognized on the street and people like really liked what I was doing. Although there are people that hated it too. The internet, you can find it all of it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I've been very lucky with that. That is really lucky. Did you enjoy being recognized on the street? Um, I like I like making people happy. So if like it made people happy, that made me happy. Um, but you know, 
there's there's varying levels. There's awesome people that have come up. Like you, you and I seem to have very similar wavelengths. Where if you came up like, hey man, I really like, I'm like, oh, so. And then there are drunk idiots at bars who are like, yo, yeah. like you're the worst or something like that. Oh. You know what I mean? So it's like two different versions. But I and by the way, anytime someone asks for a picture, unless I'm being rushed out of something, I always take a picture with people. I always sign whatever anybody wants. Right. Unless they're now, I did this thing for Star Wars, and now everywhere I go, I have to sign BB-8s like the the autograph people, and so that's. That's a little world where it becomes weird because you're not signing something for somebody. No, they're gonna weird. they're gonna sell I, it. Yeah, I've never asked for an autograph. I never asked for a photo. Photo? No, I don't, I don't mind that. Some people, some people. I'd much rather have two minutes of like saying something. Cheadle does. Cheadle has a great line where he'll be like, uh, and also it's so fun to see how people react to it because you get to see like what people really think. Someone will be like, "Oh, can um, can I get a photo?" And we'll be in a rush, or we'll be with family, and be like, "Hey, I, can, I you know, I don't, I can't really take a photo right now, but I'd love to meet you. I'm Don." Who like, which I think is incredible. Yeah. And one time, someone goes, "Fuck you," or something like that. I'm like, "What? Are you crazy?" Two seconds ago, you were like, "He's a great guy. It, he's he's yeah. amazing. Cheeto's incredible. He makes time to actually like meet you." And That's I try to just like be. learn the person's name and stuff like that. Life is is here, and then we're gone, and so fucking. Oh my quick. God. What's the point of having? A photo. I'd much rather. I have. get it. I understand I, I, why people it, like feel, if Stevie Wonder was with us, I would want to meet him. Okay, but also, I had like, a photo. My mom took a photo of me. I was thirteen though. Like, of course, I'm gonna have a photo. Yeah. Of Stevie Wonder. I, but I honestly think I prefer to have some. Like, I want to look someone in the eye. You want to connect with them. That's all I care about. That's yeah. the over, that's the point of us being. That's why you do these podcasts. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I want to connect. But. <laughs> do you want to talk? You want to get anything off your chest? Oh no! Oh no! This is my worry. <laughs> 21 years old holy shit but bojack bojack is incredible i was only a little guest star on that too but i watched that great show. part, great I, part. I, you're incredible to say that i watched the first season and i tweeted this is i love the show so much yeah and the creator of it saw it and messaged me do you want to be on next season or something like that That's or something yeah. yeah to play uh um Rud- rutabaga rubidowitz there's and, they're always about the alliteration i love it if you look at the posters on the wall of all those episodes it's, they're incredible oh man the show is so well done. Netflix is kind of crushing it right they now. They are. That show is what I'm impressed by is how dark it's willing to go. It's so dark. It's not a cartoon show. It's this so This season dark. was like definitely less funny than the second season. And I, I, I laugh, no, but I, I also like you I, learn. Exa- so I exactly. love it so much. Bob is, they're all geniuses. It's kind of insane. Do you feel any connection or kinship with BoJack Horseman? With the actual character? Yeah. Um, as someone who's like such an exaggerated no, version of exa- it and also he was famous famous i'm not i'm not nothing yeah, I'm but not you're, like you've, you're someone who's in the public eye i guess or like, there there are moments where like oh that's funny like there would be like jokes about the industry that you like really laugh at but i don't know about his uh i mean there's this city can be very lonely i understand that yeah but i don't i don't know and it's very alienating the city is do you feel like it's still lonely for you um in the city yeah. There's aspects of it that feel lonely, but not for me just in general. Everything is so far apart and it's not as like when I'm in New York, I'll get on a subway and I'm around a hundred people. Yeah. And when you're here, you're in your car by yourself. You're like not really near anybody until you get to whatever. Like today I had I had a meeting in the morning. It was a conference call, like four people, but I didn't see any of those people. Right. Then I had, I played basketball by myself this morning to shout around by myself to get like a workout. Yeah. Came here. So I saw you and I saw, uh, Liza the publicist, right? Yeah. And then I'll go home and I have to write for like five hours. You know what I mean? So but in the day, I'll see like two people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, it's that's, crazy. That's, it's crazy. That's not that many people. Yeah. Because you don't walk around the street, you don't interact or whatever. And also, it, and I've, again, I've only been here for three weeks. Amazing. People seem a little reluctant to like go out. 
Like, oh, people go out here. Will they? Oh, yeah. Well, and also, you find your dri- nerds. Like, for me, I found driving, the guys. Though. I think it's like the driving aspect. Tonight, I will, with friends, I don't, I don't know how, I'll send out an email or something, I will, with friends, watch a Gene Wilder movie tonight. I will make sure to watch a Gene Wilder movie tonight at someone's house or at my place. Okay. Uh, that's what I'll do. That's good. It's so, like, like, you're not going to Skype them in, though. Like, they're going to actually <laughs> they're come gonna over. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. But also, then you go to all these events with like a billion people. But right. it's very. It's, but those events are interesting because I've been going to the, like, just trying to meet. Yeah, you're going to all friends. the Oscar nominated events. Uh, you're doing yeah, all it's these weird because like they keep saying, do you want to get nominated? And I'm like, no. Is that how it works? It's weird. They ask they, to me. They ask for you. Me, of course, me. of course. I've never for had me. that. So they go up and they ask you, you want to get nominated? Me, it's only something to do for me and Cheeto. Wow. But yeah, it's one of those things. But you're a hustler. Like, didn't you make connections that way? And I don't love making connections that way. I love people, if I can make a connection, I'm hoping that it's like because of someone I did but um like yeah i mean like for house of lies and stuff like that we had to do all those parties and then like uh for, that, that for, was a low-key good show thanks man <laughs> it was the, the weirdest compliment i've ever heard in my life uh i was i'm proud I of that, that show because I, they got it's they stopped making that show yeah but five seasons we did like almost 60 episodes i think cheetah was incredible in it so good so, um, so good i'm excited to uh see the the tv stuff there's so many cool things that like you can jump into now. Hmm. I'm excited to see what happens next for TV uh, for me. But um, I lo- I really like that show, and I think it ended exactly the way it should have ended. And it was different. I got to do drama, and I got to you know learn a little bit more about how I do drama by watching Cheadle. Um, but yeah, I thought it was fun, and uh, it was like a beautiful little thing for Showtime. We got to curse and do all these things. Um, but that's the. I'm glad you're mentioning the show because I'm thinking, where's the what? What do you want? Out of it, like you, you so you've done so much good stuff. You're very kind. I've been the guest star on a lot of. You've done guest stuff. stuff. You've done great stuff. You've done. I'll, I'll, I'll find. I'll give you a full. You've done great stuff. You've done uh, terrible things. Oh wow! What terrible thing have I done? I have no idea. I'm just trying to (laughs) trying to level it out here. Can't can't keep giving you compliments. Um, but like, what's the? Is your sort of day to day happiness predicated on? The work you do? No, by the way, at the beginning of my career, yes, because you're so desperately trying to do it. I mean, it's not just that. It's like, you know, if you're dating someone, you know, the way that they feel and right. the way that you have a connection. But I learned uh, after a couple of years of like that, just being like, oh, this can't, that can't, it's unhealthy for your happiness to rest on what your job is. But at the same time, our jobs are so tied into our personal lives. Right. Well, like it's such, such a different something. thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you're writing your own thing or, you know what I mean? It's so, and like you go out and you have to do press for it and then you have to act and all these things. So it's, it's really, it's a very weird industry where, you know, your personal life and that stuff interject so often. Um, but, uh, so how do you separate? You do. You learn how. You learn how, like, because you're told no so much. You're told no so much or things don't go the way you want them or, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're not in control of a lot of things. You you try to be in control as much as you can, but you have to be able to, whatever. So you learn just uh, to separate it and to learn to be happy from here, or, like find family or find someone you love and something like that and kind of even them both out. But that takes, you know, years and figuring it out and talking to people and learning from other people and stuff like that. Sounds like you kind of got it. I don't know, man. Today was a tough day. Gene Wilder passed away. Gene Wilder passed away, and then you remind me about Harris. It reminds me about Gary Shandling. It reminds me about Bowie and Prince. Everything it becomes then like so sad. Shandling was a huge one. I loved Gary Shandling. So it's sad. You know what I mean? Today's a sad day. But we're here and we're alive now, and our hearts are beating, and that's that's something nice. What's a twenty-one-year-old? Pathos, like, give me your sentence. Give me, like, your sentence. If you're going to leave the audience with something you truly believe. This is a real thing, not a joke. What's truly, if you can think of something that you learned, that you learned from a parent or something like that, 
that you want your audience to like, this is what you live by, a mm-hmm. sentence you live by or really truly believe. Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I know. And you don't have that for you. I don't know if I have one that's going to blow your mind. Well, why don't you do yours and then I can I end don't have. Mind. I don't have one like cocked up. You think I got one cocked up? I just think that you got you have something cool in you. Okay. As a 21-year-old that's doing this already, there's something that's driving you, something that you live by. I just don't know what it is. Okay. Um, so do you have something? No, it's all on you. This all is 100% right. on you. Great. This is your podcast. I talked way too much. Uh, there's one thing. Okay. And it's something my dad said to me, maybe when I was really young, but also in the last four years. Two, I love three. this. Great. And he said, I called him and I was really upset because... I was like breaking up with a girlfriend mm-hmm. and um, I was just, I thought like, you, you know, when you break up, you think, God, there's no way you're going to continue like living life normally. Of course. And I was the one breaking up with the person I wasn't being broken up with. Right. And it still was terrible. And I called him, like I was around walking around campus. I was so sad and I was crying. And he said to me after hearing me out for like 20 minutes, he said, just know that whatever you're feeling right now in this moment it's not forever and i didn't really understand that at the time because when you feel pain you feel like it doesn't go away especially at a young age yeah especially at a breakup breakups are the worst yeah they're not fun yeah you get affected really bad even regardless of what side yeah and so i think that's good i've stuck with that my dad has a line similar to that where he says uh nothing is ever as good or as bad as you think it is huh <laughs> It's like, it's never as like, which keeps you kind of level-headed. Like, it's not as right. bad, you know what I mean, as you think. There's far worse things in the universe. Yeah. And it kind of calms you down. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, Ben. Hey, man, this was a blast. Also, it should be said that you were naked the entire podcast. Yeah. You it's, can't believe you, you don't you even were, talk about it. I'm fully clothed. I put on the, more clothes during yeah. because you made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> you're completely nude. The, the less clothes I had, the more you had yeah. to put on. Right. Can I make a recommendation? Yeah. For whoever the next guest is? Put on some fucking clothes. Okay. Uh, I'll try to do You understand that. why, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for doing this. Well, there it is. I hope you enjoyed that. I'd like to thank the always generous Liza Needleman for helping arrange this and many other interviews. We owe her a lot here on Talk Easy. You can watch the intervention in theaters or through iTunes now, which you absolutely should. You can also see Ben in Comedy Bang Bang, Parks and Rec, and more, all currently streaming on Netflix. And he's possibly in Stranger Things? I don't know, has anyone figured that out yet? Anyway, a big thanks to Ben for coming on the show. It was a delight. If this is your first time listening to Talk Easy, or you've listened before, first off, uh, thank you for doing that. And secondly, if you've enjoyed what you heard, do kindly consider giving us a review on iTunes. That one minute you take to write something nice about the show helps new people find the show. So do that if you can. Do be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. If you want to drop us a line about anything, feel free to email us at talkeasypod at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talkeasypod. As always, our theme music is provided by Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna. Social media by Maria Maella. The show is produced and edited by Corey Atad. I'm your host, Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week.
The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.